Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. This is what the Bible records. So when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when Jesus had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two angels stood by them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. As we dive into the scriptures together this morning, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the gift together to be a community, to form our lives around your word. And we just ask that right here and right now you would speak to us as we excavate your word together. We ask that you would make us aware the deep gift that you have given us in the Holy Spirit. That you would show us and reveal to us your word this morning. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. I ask that you would take whatever we're thinking about, whatever heaviness we had this week or whatever's to come this coming week, that you would just take it. That we would encounter your presence in this place. That you would do something different and fresh and alive in us today. That we would not just go through the motion of church, but that we would come alive in the truth of who you are. We love you. We thank you for your word in this time together. It's in your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen. Uh, so here we are on the tales of Easter Sunday. Uh, the most incredible news to ever hit the ears of humanity. That Jesus did in fact defeat hell, death, and the grave. That Jesus does in fact have life in his hands for anyone who will call on his name. It's awesome. Sin can be forgiven. We can be made whole and healed. That we are invited into a completely new way to be human right here and right now. Because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That our Lord and our God calls us beloved. And it's absolutely wonderful. And yet so much of the time, we forget that because of that truth, we are called to a completely different lifestyle. We are called as followers of Jesus into a completely new way of living. Because of the gospel that we have received and encountered. By the Holy Spirit that now dwells within us. The power that has been given to us. That there should be, in fact, practical and visible changes to our lives. Because the allegiance of our hearts are for Jesus and for his kingdom to come in all of our moments as it is in heaven. But so often as the body of Christ, we can easily miss our calling. Because we're so caught up in what we think it might all mean, rather than just being caught up in what Christ Jesus says that it is. And that's what this passage that we just read is all about. Let's take a peek at it together. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So Jesus just rose from the dead. Afterwards, it's recorded that he spent 40 days speaking with them and telling them about the kingdom of God and bearing witness of his resurrection. And on top of all of that, they've just spent three years with the Son of God. Being eyewitnesses to miracles and signs and wonders. They've shared countless meals with Jesus. They've watched him walk on water. They've seen him set people free from sin. They've heard of how he talks about the Heavenly Father's heart for all the people. They've seen the way in which Jesus loves people. 
cares for people, listens to people. They've been around. And right here, moments before Jesus is about to send into heaven and be seated at the right hand of God, the question on their lips is, hey, uh, Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, I mean, I, I know that you taught us about how to love people like the Father loves you and you love us. I know that you taught us to serve and honor and live your lifestyle so all people could come to know the deep reality of the living God who loves us and created us. I know you called us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I know that we're called to be holy as you're holy, but were you at this time, before you go, restore the kingdom to Israel? Meaning, hey, all this other stuff is great and all, but are you going to do what we want now? At least what we think we want? Are you going to make it easier for us? Or are you going to give Israel all the power now? Are you going to get rid of our enemies and those who treat us poorly and talk about us poorly? Are you going to exalt us as important people already? Or do we still have to keep serving everybody else? That's what this moment is. Now, I don't mean to poke fun at the disciples because that's most likely what I would have sounded like. That's absolutely what I would have sounded like. And the fact is, that's what a lot of us sound like a lot of the times. Hey, all, all the other stuff is great and all, but are you going to do what I want now? Or at least what I think I want? Are we going to stick with my agenda? Or do we really have to go with yours? And if we really look at what they're saying, it suggests that they and we so much of the time are completely missing the point of it all. And that's Jesus' response in verse 7 through 9. Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. Meaning, if you really trust me, trust that the Father is in complete control and completely loving towards you. So don't set your life on all those other things, but instead live into your calling as my followers. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when Jesus had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. The last words of Jesus to his disciples before he ascends into the heavenly places according to the book of Acts are you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do we know that that's our calling? Do we know that that's how we're supposed to live in response to this incredible new life that we can receive in Christ Jesus who absolutely loves us? To be his witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit to the ends of the earth. That we should be so caught up and overwhelmed with the love that we have received that all we want to do now is share it with someone else. Are we living like it? Or do we kind of look like the disciples in the next verses? And while they were gazing into heaven, as Jesus went, behold, two angels stood by them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as which you saw him go. Now, absolutely, this moment would have been a spectacle to see. The Son of God ascending into heaven? 
Man, oh man! Could you imagine seeing that with your own eyes? But that is not our calling. That is not what we're supposed to be caught up in. That's not the mission of the church, the body of Christ. That is not what will take the brokenness of humanity and make us whole again. That we have made much of heaven out here in Western culture. And heaven is going to be fantastic. But we are called to be witnesses of Jesus, not heaven. That if we are claiming Christianity so we don't go to hell, that's not the heart posture of a beloved who is a disciple of the Most High God. That if we are claiming Christianity because of some man-made idea that we've constructed in our heads, that if we just do good enough, we'll squeak our way into the pearly gates one day. That's not the heart posture of a beloved who's a disciple of the Most High God. That if we are not desiring the kingdom of the living God to invade our hearts in all of our ordinary moments, then maybe we might be missing it. That we cannot go about this life thinking that if we witness to heaven, people are going to come alive in Jesus. And while they were gazing into heaven, as Jesus went, Behold, two angels stood by them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? That can't be us. Just standing there, looking to heaven. Just standing and being like, man, I hope as we look at heaven, somebody's going to get saved. That's not even our best move. That's not the best trick in our bag. That's not our purpose. Just standing there, looking up. Hoping that people will get a glimpse of Jesus as we do. No. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The passage goes on in the disciples, verses 12 and 13. Returned to Jerusalem from the mount. And when they had returned, they went to the upper room where they were staying. So Jesus, he ascends into heaven. He says, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you because you are my followers. They hear all of that. They see with their own eyes, the Bible records, that Jesus ascends into heaven. And then they go up to the upper room. The same place in which earlier in the Gospel of John it's recorded that they were hiding with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Because without the indwelling of the Spirit of God, we will always be operating in a spirit of fear. That's why Paul tells us, for this reason I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You see, up until this moment, the disciples had not yet gone out and told anybody about the resurrection of Jesus. They had not yet gone and spread the news of the gospel anywhere. They were in a room, doors shut, unsure of what was going to happen next, just praying and hoping that the promise of the Holy Spirit would come. Saying, there's no way we're going out there. What if they do to us what they did to Jesus? What if they mock us? What if they don't like us? What if, what if they don't like the message that we're going to say? What, what if they spit on us? What if they beat us? What if they kill us? Fear creeping in. Because it's hard to follow Jesus and share his love. When the world a lot of the times doesn't feel so loving back. It's hard to stay faithful in our own power. Actually, it's impossible to stay faithful in our own power. We're no match for the sin that swells in our heart. We're no match for the flesh or the darkness of this world. We need something, someone greater than us to come and invade our hearts. So that we can live into the life we are called to as the body of Christ. 
live into the truth that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it lives in us. That we must surrender to the spirit's leading in all of our moments if we want practical and visible changes to come out of our lives. That is how we will be witnesses of Jesus to this world that so desperately needs the love of God. That's what the scripture says. Have you ever looked at the stark contrast after these ordinary followers of Jesus are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? I mean, in one moment, the doors are locked for fear. What if they do the same thing to us that they did to Jesus? What if they mock us? What if they kill us? Fear is creeping in. But then look what happens when the Spirit is let in. Look what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and moves in common and ordinary people. Maybe you're familiar with the passage in the account of Acts chapter 2. The Bible records when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people mocked them because they were speaking and understanding different languages. People were saying, how could this be? This is foolishness. And Peter, he stands up in the presence of all of them with some newfound courage, with a new spirit in him. And he says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed the hands of lawless men. But God has raised him up, loosening the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This Jesus, God raised up, and all that we are witnessing, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Let all of the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Are you hearing this? Are you seeing this? This is the first sermon ever given after Jesus ascends into heaven. It's the first proclamation about Jesus and the truth of his resurrection and the life he offers to all of humanity because of it. And it is coming from the mouth of a common, ordinary, former fisherman who denied Jesus, cursed himself, backslid into sin, fearful of what others might think moments before this. And now, filled with the Holy Spirit, Filled with the Holy Spirit. He can't help but share what he has seen, heard, and experienced. It goes on. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Turn from your sins and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you. And your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and told them about Jesus. In verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized and were added that day about 3,000 souls. Are you seeing this? Are you hearing this? How is this happening? What is going on? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. But that wasn't all. Their lives were marked with such a radically different way of living. 
Look how it's described. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Awe came upon every soul. Many signs and wonders were being done. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food and glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Are you seeing this? Are you hearing this? How is this happening? What is going on? Or later in Acts chapter 4. Now the full number of those who believe were of one heart, one soul. No one said that anything that they owned belonged to them. They had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, the Bible wrote. Are you seeing this? Are you hearing this? How is this happening? What is going on? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. Okay, I hear you. How hard was it? All that favor, all that good grace given to them, all the signs and wonders. No one have anything in need. I mean, that's awesome. Anyone could be good with that, right? Oh, there was plenty of persecution. Plenty who ridiculed it. Plenty who mocked it. There was so much opposition. Make no mistake. Remember, almost all of the apostles are killed for sharing the truth of Jesus in the gospel. Almost all of them are thrown into prison or beaten. But listen to what the Bible records of how they respond to it. And now, Lord, look upon the threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. They would get beaten, rocks thrown at them, ridiculed and mocked in every single moment of their lives. But they would respond, whether it was right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. But we cannot help but speak of the love that we have received. And we must share it with you. Are you seeing this? Are you hearing this? How is this happening? What is going on? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. How? Love people like I have loved you, Jesus says. That's... That's what the early church as recorded in Acts was doing. And it exploded in growth. But how did they do it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. They did not rely on themselves to sustain the love. They did not rely on themselves to make it fancy and fun and relatable. They relied completely upon the spirit of perfect love moving and working in and through their lives. And it oozed out all over the city. The earliest followers of the way of Jesus knew deeply the love of Jesus and in turn loved people deeply with such a different intensity that the city had to notice. It was a radically different way to live. That's Romans 5. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. 
How? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Love people like I have loved you, Jesus said. And you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses of that love. I know it seems simple. I know it seems like a really easy moment to have a heard it here before type of response. But if we really love people like Jesus, if we really love people like Jesus, if we were holy as he is holy, if we were loving as he is loving, if we live by the Spirit, it would cause such a stir in the city. It would cause such a stir in your workplace. It would cause such a stir in your family. It would cause generational patterns in your life to flee. It would look like these pages of Acts. It would look like the church, the body of Christ. A radically different way, living by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the most clear signs of people associated with the way of Jesus in the early church was in this time period, their response to this cultural norm called exposing. Where the Roman culture of the day and the society that lived around Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, when someone in the Roman culture didn't want their infant or toddler due, for, due to whatever reason, they would just toss them on the hillside. Exposing them to the elements. Hence the name exposing. They would expose them to the elements or they would be exposed to slave traders. Exposing them which would lead to most likely death or captivity. But what was so upsetting to the culture of the day, what was so confusing to the society around the church, the body of Christ, the people of the way of Jesus, what was so radically different is that the people of Jesus, they would rescue the infants and toddlers. And they wouldn't take them in as slaves. They wouldn't take them into their house and force them to be workers. No. They would go to the hillside and they would get them. And the people of Jesus... The body of Christ, the church, they would adopt them as sons and daughters. They would adopt them as fellow beloveds. They would welcome them into their family as fellow image bearers of the Most High God. A radically whole new way of living that shook the entire culture. A completely new way to look at people in the story behind their faces. A love that didn't make any sense other than as a response to the love that they had been given in Jesus, and they had to do something about it. Now, maybe that's not what you're called to do. That's fine. Maybe that's not our cultural context anymore, and that's okay. But maybe your radical, different way of living is going to work tomorrow and asking for awareness of who you need to show love to. Asking for awareness from the Holy Spirit. Show me today who I am supposed to love. And give me the power to do it, even if I don't like them. Maybe your radically different way of living is seeking forgiveness from your spouse, from your kids, from your friend. Maybe your radically different way of living is being the only young person in your high school who doesn't give in to gossip or the comparison culture or just burns your phone because you don't need it anymore. Maybe your radically different way of living this week is just showing up on time to your kid's baseball game your daughter's soccer game, or just putting down work for a moment and picking up the love of Jesus and just abiding in His presence. Maybe your radically different way of living is just being here this morning in community 
trying to remember that God is good and that he loves you and that he's for you no matter your story. Maybe your radically different way of living is talking about people like they are made in the image of God. Maybe all of our radically different ways of living is so ordinary, but what makes it so distinct is our faithfulness to Jesus in it all. Just look at what marked this new community filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts that was bearing witness of Jesus. It was common stuff, but it was steeped in love for Jesus. And it was steeped in love for people. It was steeped in wanting anyone and everyone to come to know the love of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Do we want people to come to know the love of Jesus? Do we want people to live in the power of the Holy Spirit? It wasn't about inviting people to church. It was about introducing them to Jesus. It wasn't about a great sermon or an awesome worship set or a book or a podcast or a program. It was about the way of Jesus becoming the way of our lives. And look what happened. By the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through common and ordinary people, the whole world got changed. Are you seeing this? Are you hearing this? How is this happening? What is going on? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And we are an awfully long way from the first gathering of the body of Christ as recorded in Acts. Looks like the gospel message works. We're out here on Fox Island. Ends of the earth. And now... We have a mandate from Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit to take the love that we have been given and take it to the neighborhood. Take it to the street corner. Take it to the city. Take it to your workplace. Take it to your marriage. Take it to your friendships. Not just an invite to church, but an introduction to the person of Jesus who has life in His hands. How? By bearing witness with your life. Because the scripture says that if we believe in Jesus, then we are filled with that same spirit. And because of that, we can go out in power and bear witness to the truth of Jesus and his invitation of life and life to the full for the whosoever. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we love you. We thank you that you sent your son Not that we would live in a spirit of fear anymore so that we could receive the Holy Spirit to live in power, to be your witnesses to the ends of the earth. Right here and right now, I ask that you would fill us with courage to not care what others might think. That you would fill us with courage to put down our pride and pick up your kingdom. That you would fill us with courage that no matter our story, no matter our situation, no matter our circumstance, that if we believe in you, Jesus, you say that we will be filled with your Holy Spirit. So we ask that this church, this community, this city would experience an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, that signs and wonders would break out, that people would come to know the perfect love of you, our Lord and our God, because us, common and ordinary people, Decide to live in the power of the Spirit that you desire that we live into. Would you change our moments? Would you have your way with us? Teach us to love people like you have loved us. All for your glory. 
It's in your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen.